You're never going to see an ad on the Super Bowl for sweet potatoes. There's no markup. There's no money. What you want is a snack cake that sits on the shelf for a couple of weeks. That you can make money off of. You can make money selling brown sugar water. Right? That's how you make money. That's how you satisfy your shareholders in the next quarterly returns. You don't do it by selling healthy food. That's why the system is set up to make people sick. It's not some conspiracy. It's just the way the system works. And we need to take responsibility for our own health, for our family's health. Um, uh, and uh, we can't wait uh, till uh, you know society catches up to the science because it's a matter of life and death. Hello, hello. Welcome back, NeuroHacker community, to episode number 75 of our podcast. Today, Dr. Michael Greger joins us. He is a physician, New York Times bestselling author of How Not to Die, How Not to Die Cookbook, and How Not to Diet, and is an internationally recognized speaker on nutrition. In this episode, he sheds light on corruption in the food industry and shares resources on where you can find info on evidence-based nutrition. His mission is to give people the tools to make the right decisions about their health. For details on this episode, go to neurohacker.com slash podcast. You'll get a summary of our show, the full transcript, and can join in the conversation in the comments. Without further ado, let's jump right in. Here's Dr. Sanderson and Dr. Greger. Welcome to Collective Insights. I'm your host today, Dr. Heather Sanderson, and I am joined by Michael Greger, expert in nutrition. So Michael, I have some burning questions for you. You have written lots and lots of books about nutrition, and you have the website nutritionfacts.org. And I'm curious, why is there so much contradictory information about nutrition out there? Oh, because there's a multi-trillion dollar industry um, that has a tremendous stake in muddying the waters in hopes that people just kind of throw up their hands and eat whatever's put in front of them. This is a tactic that was uh, first uh, uh, traced back to the tobacco industry. They realized the only way that they could, um, uh, you know, given the scientific consensus that smoking was linked to lung cancer, all they can do was try to introduce doubt. There's a famous uh, memo by uh, tobacco industry PR company doubt is our product uh, all they they didn't have to convince people smoking was good for you all they had to do was into you know uh, some scientists say it's bad sometimes say, scientists say it's not so bad and we just have to introduce enough doubt that people will continue um with their bad habits and so that's what we see today and with so many trillions of dollars at stake the most profitable industry on the planet Bigger than petroleum, bigger than the pharmaceutical industry, it's the food industry. No wonder you can't get a straight answer. Um, uh, but uh, in contrast, the peer-reviewed medical literature, which is the gold standard on where to find the truth in health and nutrition, there is a consensus going back decades as to the core tenements of healthy eating. Would you go through those core tenements with this? Absolutely. And so if you go to truehealthinitiative.org, this is something put together by Dr. David Katz at the Yale Prevention Research Center, where, like the IPCC, you want to know the truth about climate change? Why don't we ask the climate change experts, the climate change scientists? Um, so they come together for a consensus statement in the IPCC. Well, let's do it because you can't just listen to anybody because we have ExxonMobil trying to muddy the waters, just like we have Coca-Cola trying to muddy the water. 
waters and the egg industry trying to muddy the waters. And so forget. So you can't just listen to the news as to what's happening with climate change. You have to ask the experts. So that's where the IPCC. So let's do the same thing with nutrition. True Health Initiative brought together hundreds of the top nutrition scientists in the world, like Walt Willett at Harvard, um, to agree um, as as to what's a healthy diet. And a healthy diet is one centered around whole plant foods. That means fruits, vegetables, legumes, which are beans, split peas, chickpeas, and lentils, whole grains, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices, basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest choices. What do you say to doctors like Gundry, who has written about lectins being an issue, or other people who suggest that the um, vegetables like tomatoes and potatoes and eggplants in that family are potentially harmful? I would tell them to go to nutritionfacts.org and watch my video entitled, I believe, Dr. Gundry is Wrong. That's, (laughs) I can't get more, uh, more, obvious than that i mean so and just so i show you the science okay here's what he said here's what the science showed um and uh you know how else can we make decisions as life and death important as to what to feed ourselves and our families but by the best available balance of evidence so you don't listen to people don't listen to me you listen to what the science says and so anyone who tells you anything about something as life and death important um for yourself and your family as what to eat you have to the first question question out of your mouth has to be, where did you get that? You weren't born with that information. Tell me where you got it so I could see what kind of veracity, um, uh, you know, put it in context with every other data point that's ever been published on that particular fact. Um, and so you should challenge people. Say, well, wait a second. Uh, yeah, who says this is good for you? This is bad for you? Okay, well, they should be able to not only show you the source, they should share the source with you so you can see the read the PDF yourself. Um, make sure they're not skewing it. They're not spinning it. You know, we're not talking about, you know, uh, toaster reviews on Amazon where, yeah, uh, the, the some opinion of some complete stranger may actually be useful to you. We're talking about life and death. And for that, you don't want to just see what the checkout aisle magazine has to say about what to eat or what some your buddy at the gym says. You want to rely on the science. And do you think there are different diets that are right for different people? Uh, with there are small little so for example people have peanut allergies ah peanuts not for them because they could close their throat up and die okay but in general peanuts are healthy for people um some people are lactose intolerant some people are not some people uh, metabolize caffeine a little differently than other people fine but in general there's one healthy diet Uh, some people certain foods are more or less healthy but it's not like there's anybody on the planet that could benefit from eating more hot dogs other than people perhaps starving to death but you know what i mean organic versus conventional um so in my book how not to die i talk about this modeling study which suggested that um uh if you if half of americans ate a single uh, more serving of uh, of uh, fruits or vegetables, we would prevent 20,000 cases of cancer every year. That's how powerful produce is. But since they were talking about conventional produce, pesticide-laden produce, the additional pesticide burden on the American public would cause 10 cancer deaths. So uh, it would cause 10 cases of cancer. So all in all, we would just prevent 19,990 cases of cancer, right? That gives you a sense of the tremendous benefit of fruits and vegetables versus the tiny bump in risk. Now you say, wait a second, 
Why accept any risk at all and choose organic? Then you get all benefit, no risk. Great. Um, but you should not prevent um, uh, uh, the, the concern over pesticides. You should not let that prevent you from stuffing your face with as many fruits and vegetables as possible. Supplements. Um, well, it, it depends who you are. If you're an alcoholic or you're pregnant or you're a burn victim, and there's there. But for in general, we should try to get our nutrients from the produce aisle, not the supplement aisle. There are, however, two exceptions. Um, there are two vitamins not made by plants. One is vitamin D, which is a sunshine vitamin, which is made by animals such as yourself when you walk outside. Um, uh, but uh, those getting inadequate um, sun exposure need uh, to, I recommend 2,000 international units of vitamin D3 a day. Um, that's what I take since I'm inside my laptop all day and the sun's glare screws up my screen. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working all the time and not getting, um, I had uh, the vitamin D levels of an institutionalized elder. Um, but, um, so that's why I supplement with vitamin D and the only other vitamin not made by plants is vitamin b12 which isn't made by animals either it's made by little microbes that blank the earth so you used to get able to get you know b12 from uh, drinking out of a mountain stream or well water but now we chlorinate the water supply to kill off any bacteria so don't get a lot of b12 in our water anymore don't get a lot of cholera either that's a good thing that we live in such a nice sanitary world our fellow great apes get all the b12 they need from eating bugs dirt and feces i prefer supplements 2,000 micrograms of cyanocobalamin, the most shelf-stable form, once a week is all the B12 you need. Costs less than five bucks a year. Critically important for anyone eating a healthy diet. How is nutrition related to longevity? Well, hey, tis the season. Um, uh, have you looked around outside? There's a disease called COVID-19 and the risk factors for disease. Forget chronic disease. Forget dying from heart disease in a decade. Right now, having heart disease, hypertension, obesity, type 2 diabetes dramatically increases your risk of a severe course of COVID-19. And guess what? Every single one of those can be prevented, arrested, and even reversed with a healthy enough plant-based diet and lifestyle. So this is the time. If there was ever a time to clean up your diet, this is the time to eat healthy. And what would be the first step you'd recommend someone taking if they have diabetes, obesity, heart disease, any of these comorbidities that increase their risk of dying from COVID-19? I've got a book recommendation. Um, so How Not to Die, uh, the first half of How Not to Die is 15 chapters. Each of the 15 leading causes of death, talking about the role diet may play in preventing, arresting, reversing each of our top 15 killers. Um, all proceeds I receive from the sale of the book go to charity. I just want everyone to have access to this life-changing, life-saving information. Let us take a step back for a moment. There's only one diet ever proven. To reverse heart disease in the majority of patients, a plant-based diet. So anytime someone tries to tell you uh, about some new diet they heard about, do me a favor. Ask them one simple question. Wait a second. Has this diet been proven to arrest heart disease? You know, the number one reason me and all my loved ones will die? If the answer is no, I would even consider it. Right? If that's all a plant-based diet could do, reverse the number one killer of men and women. Uh, shouldn't that kind of be the default diet until proven otherwise? And the fact that it can also be so effective in preventing, arresting, reversing other leading killers like type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure would seem to make the case for plant-based eating simply overwhelming. What did you have for breakfast this morning? 
Uh, what did I have for breakfast this morning? I had groats. So I had a combination, uh, this prebiotic mix of oat groats, rye berries, uh, um, uh, purple barley groats, um, and uh, and uh, these uh, beluga lentils, these little caviar-looking round uh, black lentils, um, and that with some uh, tis cherry season, at least where I live, um, with so uh, a whole bunch of pitted cherries, some pitted not as well as the others, my teeth will tell you, but um, with some uh, um, cocoa powder, um, uh, with some uh, pumpkin seeds, walnuts, uh, ground flax seeds, ground chia seeds. Uh, what else I put in there? Oh, um, oh, and some apricot vinegar. Um, and oh, uh, yeah, uh, that's it. Um, so I had this kind of chocolate cherry kind of, you know, oat groat kind of thing going on. It was delicious. Coffee? No coffee. Um, uh, tea. I had chai tea. So tell With us, unsweet sermon. Oh, yum. Um, tell us about the nonprofit and where the proceeds go to for that. So uh, uh, nutritionfacts.org is a free nonprofit science-based public service providing daily updates on the latest in nutrition research via bite-sized videos. There are more than a thousand videos on nearly every aspect of healthy eating with new videos and articles uploaded nearly every day on the latest in evidence-based nutrition. What a concept, nutritionfacts.org. It's a 501c3, um, uh, so you can make a tax-deductible donation. It's a nonprofit charity, um, and the money going to... Um, uh, nutrition facts goes to our 14 staff, including me. I'm on staff as the as kind of the content creator, um, and uh, it will help get this life changing, life saving information out into the world. In terms of the proceeds I get from the books, um, the money that I don't give to nutrition facts give to under other nonprofits depending on the book. So, for example, my latest book, How to Survive a Pandemic, which just came out on Tuesday. So that's what is it? I don't know, four days ago now, um, uh, is uh, donating to a number of pandemic prevention and preparedness uh, groups like the Good Food Institute, uh, the Plant-Based Food Association, Well-Fed World, the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Um, I got the money from this book, but every book's a little different. And what are your thoughts about cooking? Is it essential to learn to cook if you're going to eat a healthy diet? Um, it can certainly make things easier. I mean, uh, cooking, you have control, all right? So um, even so-called healthy restaurants, they need to stay in business. How do you stay in business? You add salt, fat, and sugar. That's how you stay in business. So you can go get Italian salt, fat, and sugar. You can go get Thai salt, fat, and sugar. You can get Chinese. You can get Mexican salt, fat, and sugar. You name it, they'll give it to you. And so um, uh, you think you're eating healthy. But, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, uh, you know, so many of my patients, you know, will tell me, oh, my God, I eat, I eat so healthy and I can't lose weight, whatever. All of a sudden they're locked down. They actually have to cook for themselves. Oh, all of a sudden you're losing weight. All of a sudden you're eating this. Oh, oh really? It's because, you know, restaurant food is crap in general. Um, you cannot saying you can't get healthy options, but, uh, you know, it's, but at home you have control. You have control. You can add salt. You cannot add salt, right? You can add sugar. You cannot add sugar. Um, and so then, uh, you know, we can, you know, you have some uh, uh, a modicum of control over what's going into your body, which is the most important decision we make for our health. According to the Global Burden of Disease Study, the largest study of risk factors for disease in history, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the number one cause of death in these United States 
is our diet. Bumping tobacco smoking to number two. Cigarettes only kill about a half million Americans every year, whereas our diet kills thousands more. Also, leading cause of disability. So the most important decision we make for our health is what is at the end of our fork. What would you suggest um, would be the first step into making these ideas more commonplace? Um, well, uh, you know, it's taste, cost, convenience. That's how people make their choices. And so we need to make it convenient for them. And it's getting increasingly um, easy. Um, but look, if we're going to subsidize as a country, if we're going to subsidize the food industry, why are we giving taxpayer dollars to the sugar industry? Why are we going? Why are our taxpayer dollars making high fructose corn syrup cheaper, or making feed crops cheaper um, to make dollar value menu burgers? I mean, uh, I mean, if we cared about public health rather than um, the you know the, the the lobbyists in the Washington Beltway, we'd be subsidizing fruits and vegetables. Well, we should be making apples cheap. If you're gonna put taxpayer dollars in, then let's make apples cheaper. Let's make cabbage cheaper. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, if you look at the consumer price index, junk food's gotten cheaper. Um, particularly just as the obesity epidemic was, was launching off in the late 70s, early 80s, um, uh, and whereas fruits and vegetables, um, compared to the consumer price index, actually went up, got more expensive. No wonder fruit and vegetable consumption was declining and junk food intake was um, increasing. So do these produce industries need lobbyists in Washington? Well, uh, so, I mean, there there are. I mean, there is a there are uh, there are pro there's a watermelon promotion board. Um, I mean, there are there. I mean, they they but they are just um, they're outgunned. And you say, well, wait a second, why are they outgunned? Don't they make a lot of money? No, they're selling produce. They're selling something that goes bad, that rots on the shelf, that can't be patented, that can't be branded. Even a broccoli grower isn't going to go on TV uh, making an ad for broccoli because you'll just buy their competitors' broccoli. It makes no sense. You're never going to see an ad on the Super Bowl for sweet potatoes. There's no markup. There's no money. What you want is a snack cake that sits on the shelf for a couple of weeks. That you can make money off of. You can make money selling brown sugar water, right? That's how you make money. That's how you satisfy your shareholders in the next quarterly returns. You don't do it by selling healthy food. That's why the system is set up to make people sick. It's not some conspiracy. It's just the way the system works. So we need to take responsibility for our own health, for our family's health, um, uh, and uh, we can't wait uh, till uh, you know society catches up to the science because it's a matter of life and death. So really, it's the responsibility of government to be making good decisions for public health. And but and if they're not going to, if they're failing because of the um, the, the the role of special interests in, in 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 corrupting the political process, then we have to take our own responsibility for our own community. And then there's also the doubt, the seeding of doubt that you mentioned that is very it's distracting and confusing. I mean that that's that that is on purpose. I mean that's what I'm trying to uh, um, to get across to people that the that it is no uh, it is no coincidence. I mean that's exactly. I mean that's what they want. They want coffee on one day to be good for you, coffee to be bad for you the other day. Um, it's all about uh, uh, mudding the water so people just kind of throw their hands up in the air and eat whatever's put in front of them. It's good for. Um, a business is not good for the health of and well-being of our families.
If nutritionfacts.org did everything you hoped it would do in the next 10 years, what would that look like? It would just giving people the tools to make the right decisions. I'm not telling people to eat anyway. Um, you want to eat bacon, eat bacon. You want to smoke cigarettes, smoke cigarettes. You want to go bungee jumping, go bungee jumping. All I can, as a physician, do is share with you the predictable consequences of your actions. If you continue to do X, Y, and Z, well, the science suggests that you're at increased risk of, you know, of X, Y, and Z. Um, and so then I just want people to be informed. Then they make the, it's your body, your choice, do whatever you want. Um, but you shouldn't go, you shouldn't be, you know, eating your sausage link thinking that you're doing your body any favors. No, in fact, you're eating a category one carcinogen determined by the IARC, the official World Health Organization, by the terms what is and is not cancer causing. You are eating something known to cause cancer in human beings. We try not to smoke around our kids. Why would we send them to school with a bologna sandwich? It's outrageous, um, and there should be uh, and there should be warning labels. Who knows that they're that they're increasing the risk of cancer for their children by you know giving them you know lunch meats? Um, uh, and look, as long as you do know, um, then uh, you know stuff your face with whatever you want. But uh, know that uh, you're not uh, necessarily uh, making the, the best choice for your health. Is there any amount of meat or animal product that is okay or is health-promoting? Oh, I mean, it's all it's all about quantity. It doesn't matter what you eat on your birthday, holiday, special occasions. It's the day-to-day -day stuff that adds up. I mean, your body has a remarkable capacity to bounce back from injury. You know, it's like you know these social smokers, people that can sit, that can you know at a party a few times a year, pick up a cigarette, and never become addicted. It's amazing, right? Um, that, you're going to tell me there's no data in the world that that's, that that is finely grained enough to say that it's going to be harmful to anybody. I mean, the reason we tell people don't smoke at all is because they're afraid one cigarette's going to lead to one pack a day, and eventually then you're dramatically increasing your risk of things like emphysema and lung cancer. And uh, and the same thing with overly rich foods. I mean, the reason we, you know, uh, that the, you know, uh, the, the, the ideal intake of candy is zero um, it's not that one piece of candy is going to really hurt anybody in the long term. It's that, you know, by maintaining this hyper-stimulated palate, this hyper-palatable foods, the hyper-salty, hyper-sweet, hyper-fatty foods, we are dulling our palate. We are the, – the industry is going out of its way to get these, uh, these taste engineers to get that bliss point um, such that regular food tastes like crap. You know, I mean, uh, uh, people going on low-salt diets, everything tastes like cardboard for a few weeks until your taste buds can 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 alter. I mean, the the ripest peach in the world is going to taste sour after a bowl of Fruit Loops. That's exactly what they want. So the only way to kind of recalibrate your taste buds is to avoid those foods completely. If you ate candy every day, you'd never pull away from that. But then the reason that you want to do that is because after a few weeks. You get that reset. Your taste buds only last about 21 days before being replaced. Then all of a sudden normal, healthy, natural food tastes delicious. Corn on the cob, no butter, no salt, delicious. Just a sweet potato, a little sprinkle of cinnamon, delicious. Not because you're some aesthetic monk white-knuckling it with willpower. No, it, you get the best of both worlds. It actually tastes delicious, and it's good for you too. That's only possible if you get rid of the junk. Any opinion on fasting? I've got... Tons of opinions on fasting, but who cares what opinion? I can tell you about the science. 
on vaccine. Even That's more all importantly. That really matters. Exactly. Actually, the biggest chapter in my, I was going to say latest book, but now that I have a new book out this week, it's my second to latest book, um, and How Not to Diet. Um, I uh, talk about all forms of intermittent fasting, including water-only fasting, modified fasting, but also alternate day fasting, 5-2 fasting, 25-5 fasting, fasting mimicking diets, on down the list, time-restricted feeding. Bottom line, um, and so I talk about the pros and cons of all of them. Uh, bottom line, uh, early time-restricted feeding um, is beneficial, meaning restricting your feeding window to 12 hours or less, but critically important, that's an early 12 hours, not a late. If you're going to skip any meal, you skip supper, not breakfast. We want to weigh our calories towards the beginning of the day. We shouldn't be eating after the sun goes down. I encourage people to fast after 7 p.m. So you're a physician. You mentioned you have patients. If people wanted to schedule with you or someone on your team for more information about what they could do to incorporate the science into their diet, um, what, how can they reach out? The best thing they can do is go to nutritionfacts.org. I have all my contact information there. Fortunately, I'm not taking any new patients, but there is tons of free information, thousands of videos waiting for them to binge watch themselves to health. <laughs> Fantastic. Dr. Greger, it's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure having you here with us today. I know that you are a very busy man, so we won't keep you. The one last question I have is, or actually, I would just want to let all of our listeners know that you are actively exercising right now. You are walking on, you're not only at a standing desk, but you are taking steps, probably 10,000 as we've just talked over the last 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> Indeed, indeed. I walk about 17 miles a day. What is the role of exercise in longevity and health span? Critically important. In fact, that's part of my daily dozen. So the, I talked about the first half of my book, How Not to Die. The second half centers my recommendations around this daily diet, uh, a, a daily dozen a checklist of all the healthiest of healthy foods. I encourage people to fit into their daily routine, like greens every day, the healthiest vegetables, berries every day, the healthiest fruits, uh, you know, uh, a tablespoon of ground flax seeds, quarter teaspoon of turmeric, the best beverages, best sweeteners, and how much exercise to get every day. I recommend 90 minutes a day, a moderate intensity exercise for 45 minutes of vigorous seven days a week every single day that's what the science suggests is the best um, as a minimum um, and so we shouldn't patronize the public and give them these ridiculous recommendations like like you see you know the USDA and the dietary guidelines says cut down on candy no they should say these are dietary guidelines don't eat ideally we shouldn't be eating candy similarly instead of saying oh get 30 minutes three times a week of exercise that's not what the science says is best tell people the truth let people make their own decisions. I thought Framingham was 200 minutes a week. Well, uh, so, but if you look at, if you do a meta-analysis of all the, so this is all based on walking studies, because this was most of the walking studies. Um, walking, you know, uh, 15 minutes a day is not as good as walking 30 minutes a day. It's not as good as walking 45 minutes a day. Not as good as walking 60 minutes a day. Not as good as walking 90 minutes a day. And that's all the data we have because they couldn't find enough people walking uh, regularly more than 90 minutes a day. Um, so maybe walking two hours a day is even better. We have no idea. The science hasn't been done. But what we can say is the best available balance of evidence says that the lowest all-cause mortality, meaning the greater likelihood that you live the longest, is at 90 minutes a day. And you're the end of one for at least two hours a day. Oh my God! I'm all I'm I'm walking at 1.8 miles an hour, so all it. day long, 
I'm just at my desk. I encourage people, look, it's, you don't have to get some fancy thing. You go to your thrift store. They got tons of old treadmills. You stick one under some cheap plastic shelving, a little duct tape. You are good to go. I love it. On that note, thank you so much for your time, Doc. Um, it was a pleasure having you today. I'm so glad to be here. Keep up the good work. You as well. Take care. Thank you for being with us for this conversation with Dr. Michael Greger. If you didn't know already, one of the other things we do in The Collective is create supplements for better cognition, better aging, and more energy. If you're looking for any or all of that, go to neurohacker.com to learn more. And as our gift to you, we're offering an additional 15% off your first order using the code PODCAST75. If you have questions about this content, please leave them on our site at neurohacker.com podcast, and we'll work to get those answered on a future episode. Make sure to go leave us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you next time.